Let us open the Word of God to 1 Peter chapter 2. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. In Psalm 19, David wrote about the Word of God, More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, then much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. The difference on how you respond today, how I respond today to God's word on this subject, will be either reward or damnation. Because Romans chapter 13 and verse 2 says, If you resist the ordinance of civil authority, you're resisting God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. James chapter 1 and verse 25 says about the word of God, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Amen and amen. Let's get into it. If you have any questions that aren't answered in two sermons today on this subject, seven were preached 13 months ago that are on the internet, on our website, from Romans chapter 13, 1 through 7, when God gave us great understanding and blessed us abundantly with political science and political theory, According to his design. And it's all laid out there. Everything, most everything that you could possibly ask or want to know is found there. I have not referred to that outline to build this outline. I have not referred to those sermons to preach these sermons because I want to let the Holy Spirit lead us by his inspired words through Peter rather than turning it into a topical study where we use Paul. These are Peter's words by the Holy Ghost. And so I want to stay with them as much as possible rather than going back and re-preaching to you what I did from Romans 13. Now, they're going to be very similar because there is only one author in the Bible, and that is the Holy Ghost. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21 tells us that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the singular Holy Ghost. But here we come to 1 Peter chapter 2. I just exhort you to use the sermons that are on the website if you want to see more. The outline is there, many, many pages, uh, detailing Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let's start with this word, submit. Every husband loves the word submit because that's what he wants his wife to do. And yet, this is a word here that is being used to all of us, men and women, children, to submit to civil authority. That's what's under consideration. Our issue is political power. It's the government that is over us. It's Washington, D.C. It's Columbia, South Carolina. It's Greenville. It's Greenville County. It's our local municipalities and uh, so forth. We want, we're supposed to submit. Submit yourselves. What's amazing to me and what I hope to encourage you with today, and I don't want today to be a negative sermon. I want it to be a positive one. Let's be excited about this subject because of what I've already said. And do you know what I've already said? There is blessing and reward for those that will embrace this and truly get into it. Because as we worship, 
as we reverence, let me use the words carefully, as we obey, as we pay, and as we pray to our civil government and for our civil government, we bless and honor God because He appointed them. They are the ministers of God to us for good. That is Romans chapter 13. They are God's appointees. And uh, when Israel was rebelling against Moses and against God, you know, Moses went to the Lord and the Lord and Moses had a conversation between them and the, the, and Samuel had the same with the Lord. They haven't rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me. Do you, do you make that connection? Right. To reject Moses was to reject God. To reject Samuel was to reject God. To have rejected Saul, who was not half the man of Samuel, was to reject God. Right. To reject Caesar is to reject God because Caesar was God's hand-picked choice. And President Barack Hussein Obama, that is the president of our country, is God's hand-picked choice for you. His hand-picked choice for me. You say, did you vote for him? No, I didn't vote for him. What does that have to do with anything? God overrode my vote. God's vote's bigger than mine. There's more. That doesn't matter. We, if the, to the degree that we can learn this lesson, brethren, there's blessings in it. Here's what's exciting to me. Between verses 10 and 11 of 1 Peter chapter 2, you may, if you mark in your Bible, draw a line. Because that is the transition from the doc, what I call the doctrinal section of the book. Everything is doctrine. Doctrine is simply teaching. But those, up until verse 10, it's what God has done. After verse 10, starting with verse 11, it's what we ought to do toward the Lord. And so as soon as he starts out with what we ought to do toward the Lord, look what he starts with. If God chooses to put this first, I am going to tell you about it. Because I'm supposed to preach the Word. And the Word puts this first. And so I believe it's important to us to lay hold of this. You know, wives aren't first, brethren. It's down there in chapter 3. And your employment situation that you're going to go to tomorrow is down there in verse 18. It starts out with civil government. It's important to the Lord. I want you all to be blessed. I want our church to be blessed. I believe that God has blessed our church. That God has blessed us in many ways as we over the years and the decades have been further and further converted by the Word of God on this subject. And for those of you that always want to raise your hand and ask questions about, but what about, and I don't mean this disrespectfully at all, and I love the questions, because I want to think through this very thoroughly myself, and I'm not talking about any questions I got this morning. I am talking about the hand that raises and always wants to know, when are the exceptions? Why do you want to know about exceptions? I'm going to tell you how much God cares about exceptions. He doesn't have a verse in the Bible about exceptions. There are examples in the Bible about exceptions, but we don't deal with exceptions. We deal with the general rule. Do you know what you men would think if your wife would always want to be asking, well, when do I get to disobey? If your children are always raising their hands, when do I get to disobey? You have a meeting with your employee for the first day on the job. When do I get to disobey you? What would you think of that attitude? I hope you say, get out of here. Go get a job somewhere else. can't say that to your wife. You just say that to the person who's sitting there across from you with an employee meeting. Let's not worry about the exceptions. Let's love the general rule. When we get to... The, listen, we live in such a pampered nation right now. We can do anything we want. Is the website www.godhatesfags.com still the number one religious site in the world? And is it still on the internet? Yes. Did they recently win another case before the Supreme Court? Yes. Our country still allows great liberties. Why are you worrying about exceptions? Has somebody in your neighborhood been killed for the cause of Christ in the last 24 hours? We're not even close to it. And here, oh, here go the conspiratorialists. Oh, we're closer than you think. Really? You think I don't think? We're not close. We're blessed. Amen. Oh Lord, help us just to lay hold of this and to love it. When the Lord wants to tell us how to live, remember verses 11 and 12 from last Sunday? 
as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. What is one of our lusts that wars against our soul? We don't like to be told what to do. It's rebellion. We don't like to be told what to do. And if you think you don't like to be told what to do more than I don't like to be told what to do, you haven't spent enough time with me yet. I'm a wild man by nature. It's by the grace of God that I have learned to love authority. I have hated all authority in my life. But thanks be to God for changing a Gadarene and putting him in his right mind and teaching him to love authority. In verse 12 it says, Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. That's pure, noble, and virtuous. Among the Gentiles, they can accuse us as being evildoers, but let's live in such a way that we will show forth the good works of our religion that when God visits them, they will glorify God in the day of visitation. And do you know how we do it? Do you know what Peter and the Holy Ghost thought we ought to start with? Submission to civil authority. Pay your taxes and enjoy it. Now, why don't you enjoy paying your taxes? I want to know why you don't enjoy paying your taxes. When you go out in the countryside to get yourself a gallon of milk that hasn't been totally corrupted, anyway, they still allow it. When you go out in the country to get yourself a gallon of milk, and he says it's $4.50 or he wants $2.50 for some organic eggs, does it bother you to give them the money? You say, no, it doesn't bother me a bit because I'm getting 12 eggs for $2.50. See, I don't shop, so if I'm out of, if I'm out of line, just... Slap me up later with an email. Does that bother you? No, because I'm getting 12 eggs for $2.50. Well, I want to tell you that there's no one in here that is paying even a small fraction of the benefits that you derive from our government. That's right. How did you get here today? Were they smooth? Were they smooth roads? Were they protected roads? How, how many cattle did you encounter on the way here on the roads? How many goats? How many chickens? How many little tiny 90cc motorcycles were zipping in and around you? If you haven't been to Malaysia you don't, and you haven't seen pictures, you don't know how terrible it is to have all those little underpowered things zipping around you. Anybody running with, with handles here and somebody sitting in a cart behind them and you had to wait behind them? We are blessed. Amen. Everywhere you look we're blessed. We are protected. We are at peace. There are sheriff's deputies and there are policemen on duty all night long. You don't pay even a fraction. You say, that's why we have a national debt. Amen. I agree with you. We have, we have found some agreement. But the point is, when you pay taxes, you're underpaying for something. You're getting more than you're paying for. Let's be thankful. Amen. You say, well, it's not going to work in the long run. Leave that up between them and God. You're not going to change it unless you want to start donating more. But since you've already complained to me that you're paying too much, I don't think you're going to donate more, so stop worrying about it. Lord, let's just be happy under the government that we're under. When the Jews were captive 500 miles away from home in Babylon in Jeremiah chapter 29, the Lord said to them by Jeremiah the prophet, don't worry about it. Go out and plant yourself some vineyards, build yourself a house, marry off your children, have grandchildren, and live the good life. And pray for the peace of Babylon. In her peace, you'll have peace. We just prayed this morning. And I hope you'll pray more with me in the future. And I hope I'll pray more with you in the future for the peace of this Babylon, United States of America, that we might have peace with her. Lord, thank you for putting this first. We know we have a problem. We're Americans. We're revolutionaries by birth. If we don't like government, we'll say whenever we don't like government, it is our right as the people to put away that government and get ourselves a new one that we like. Because that is how our nation started. Lord, help us to see these things and to love them and to embrace them and to obey them. Submission is one of the more difficult, painful, and trying duties of anyone. And we get an opportunity to do it ourselves. Remember, whenever we read about a civil authority in the Bible, it is the Roman Empire, a foreign, pagan, Jew-hating, occupying force 
with soldiers in our streets that could knock at your door and demand to be fed. That when you were out taking a walk, a soldier with all of his stuff carrying his M60 and 2,000 rounds was a lot of weight. And he could say, would you bear, would you carry this for me? And the Bible, Jesus said, if he asked you to go a mile, go with him two miles. You're circulating money that has the picture of a Jew hating pagan king on it. You say, where does it say in the Bible that they hated the Jews? Why don't you read Acts chapter 18 and figure out why Ananias, not Ananias and Sapphira, who are the other two characters that I just lost? This is an interesting little brain freeze. I'm going to find it since no one's helping me. In Acts chapter 18, Aquila and Priscilla. Can you believe that? That was serious. I know how far the gap is sometimes, and that was a big one. Aquila and Priscilla, do you know why they ended up in Corinth and where they ran into the Apostle Paul? Because Caesar had said, get every Jew out of Rome. Now what would you think of that? What if Fidel Castro took over America this afternoon? Would you submit to him on Monday? Yes, we would. You say, but what if our government, though they had to leave Washington, D.C., were hiding in the mountains of Montana and they were calling soldiers up? to fight off Fidel Castro, then we would fight. But if, who, if Fidel Castro won, what would we do on Tuesday? We'd submit to Fidel Castro. It's the de facto government. I don't want to get off into all that stuff. It's just so simple. The reason I brought up Rome is, the day, whenever you look at the newspaper, you're on the internet, or you read the Drudge Report, or you do something that sometimes isn't very profitable, Many times it's not very profitable. And you think, this is a terrible government that we're under. Just remember that when Peter and Paul wrote about the government, they were writing about the pagan Roman government. And they had the constitutional rights of the Old Testament, but God had punished them by bringing the Rome over them, and God has punished us by taking away certain things, but we still have all the liberties that we want to worship Him. And we can still do it, and we can still do it in liberty. We can still discipline our children. We can still keep our babies. We can still have as many babies as we should because the Lord's given us all those liberties. You know, we're not in China where if you have baby number two, they come along and grab it out of your arms and take it out in the yard and drown it in a mud puddle. We're we're blessed. We're very blessed. Submit. Submit. To place oneself under the control of a person in authority. Oh, I don't like that definition. To place oneself under the control of a person in authority or power. To become subject. Surrender oneself or yield to a person or his rule. Now every husband loves that definition when I'm preaching on marriage. Every husband doesn't like that definition when I'm preaching about their attitude towards civil government. But let's embrace it. I'm glad they're doing it. And that I don't have to worry about it. I'm glad I don't have to work nights driving around in a car that says, I am a policeman, because at night the only people that are out are people that don't like policemen. I'm glad they're doing it, and I'm not doing it, and I'm glad they don't like to make all that much money, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. They are willing to work night shift in a well-marked car, driving around in the seediest parts of the city. Where do you think they're driving? Do you think they're driving the streets of Thornblade, one after another? They're in the... Listen, brethren, this is civil authority. And it's what this passage is about. And before I finish today, I want you to also get that this passage is talking about good citizenship. It is that simple. We want to be the best citizens beyond just obeying and paying and praying. Because it gets down to verse 17 and it says, Honor all men. And in this context, and by looking at Romans 
chapter 12 and verse 18, and 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 through 3, and Titus chapter 3 verses 1 through 2, in these places that give us the lesson for what does it mean to honor all men, it is not honoring those in authority, it's beyond that, it's honoring every part of society that deserves some measure of honor. And of course it ranges from the king, who is mentioned separately, down to servants. You know, before I get there, does anybody know exactly the amount that South Carolina has legislated that waiters and waitresses should be paid per hour. $2.13. What is minimum wage? Seven and a quarter. Well now, if how do you honor the servant? You're sitting there. You tip them. And you remember, they're only getting paid $2.13 which is $5.12 below minimum wage, because I'm going to honor them by making up the difference. It's just, how does society function and work together? There's the top office of king is supreme, or our president, congress, and supreme court, all the way down to servants. Servants aren't mentioned here in the first four verses, but they're mentioned in the honor all men. We want to be great citizens. If we If we only obeyed authority and didn't think about the other driver, when we come to an intersection together, would there be trouble? If we didn't honor the other driver who has the right of way. Lord, these things are so simple, but they're exciting because you say that if we do these things right, we're doing them for the Lord's sake. We're doing them unto men that you have sent to us. We're doing them as the will of God. We can silence the ignorance of foolish men. We can do them as your free children. And we can do them as the servants of God. There's just so many reasons to want to do this. Moreover, by God's words, are we warned, and in the keeping of them there is great reward. Subject. If you mark in your Bibles, let me give you a second suggestion. If you mark, you can highlight the word submit in verse 13. Then you can go down to verse 18 and highlight the word subject. Servants, be subject. To your masters. Then you can go over to verse 1 of chapter 3. And about the seventh word. Likewise ye wives. It's the sixth word. Be in subjection to your own husbands. Then you can come down to verse 5. And you have being in subjection unto their own husbands. So you have subjection, subjection, being subject. And submitting yourselves. Because when the Holy Spirit starts out with us. On how to be a great Christian in front of the world. He goes into these relationships of authority. And obeying civil government is one thing that is that we do that is very obvious and public and visible to others. And we listen, the way you drive, the way we drive, the way we drive says how much we obey government. And there's paying of taxes. And you know that in the workplace, subjects come up all the time about government. Because Americans talk far too freely about government. Freedom of speech is ridiculous, except it allows us to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The idea of freedom of speech, other than it allows Baptist ministers to get in pulpits and preach the King James Bible, is a ridiculous idea. No one should be allowed to open their mouth against the civil authority. Do you think that men preached against, men spoke against and joked about Nebuchadnezzar? Do you think they had cartoons on the employee, in the employee break room against Nebuchadnezzar? Or David? Or any king? With any respect for himself and his office? So in the workplace, you're gonna run into situations where the conversation is going to get you irritated and there's going to be an opportunity for those that have less restraint on their tongues to say things that they shouldn't. Let's be careful, brethren. Let's be in subjection and let's embrace it. To be in subjection is to render submissive or dependent, to bring into a state of subordination or submission. Lord, help us do that. Listen to these three little suggestions for you. If you have to be forced to do something... That means you're doing it while you're belligerent or resisting, then it is not submission. It's not, it's not submission the way the Bible describes it. Because the way the Bible describes it, we do it with honor. Is that how you want your wife doing things, husband? 
Is that how you want your children doing things, Father? Or when it says submit, that's also our mind and heart state toward the one in authority. That we willingly yield ourselves and surrender. He's in a position that God's given him. He is the messenger of God to me for good. He's the minister of God. I'm thankful for that office. I'm thankful for him because he was good enough for God to put him there. Another one. If you do it against your will and resenting the one in authority, then it's not submission. If it is to submit, you don't have to be pushed. You don't have to be forced. You gladly and cheerfully do it. If it is something you want to do anyway, then it's not submission. It's a sweet vacation. So don't think that you're a good citizen because you do the things that you want to do anyway, cheerfully. We Submission, the real test of submission is when you obey someone in authority who's asking you to do something you don't want to do. Or because of their own personal failures, you don't respect, you don't respect them anymore. Which we shouldn't even use that kind of terminology. I don't care whether you respect President Obama or not, but God cares. God picked him, and he's in an office that you should respect. You shouldn't be cursing him in your heart. You shouldn't be cursing him in your bedroom. You shouldn't be speaking evil against dignitaries. Even the angels of heaven do not bring railing accusations against the Adolf Hitlers, Mao Zedongs, and Joseph Stalins of this world. Because they understand the authority appointment that God made of those men, even though they're angels far greater in power and might, Jude chapter 1 verse 9 says that they do not bring railing accusations. So when we open our mouths and blow off and say something ridiculous about our president or about his wife or about our Congress or about our Supreme Court or about our governor or about a mayor, don't do it. And so we're talking about submission here. We've got to move on to every ordinance of man. Every ordinance of man. This this is almost mind-blowing that the Bible would tell us that whatever men tell you to do, you should obey. But in this particular realm, we are supposed to do that. This particular realm is is the smooth, profitable, efficient functioning of society by having civil rules that govern how we treat each other in a civil way. How nations get along together from the beginning. Men gather themselves together. Well, first of all, there was a man and his wife, and we have one sphere of authority. We have marriage. They have two babies. They have two boys. And we have a family. There's two spheres of authority. Husbands over wives. Parents over children. Then they get together in nations. Then they get employed with each other. It's an employment relationship of servants under masters. Then they're under kings and other leaders of nations. And then they get churches. Church of the Old Testament, whether it's Moses in the Old Testament or Aaron the high priest. Churches in the New Testament with a bishop overseer of the church. Five spheres of authority. It's God's ordinances. But when it comes to society and how the world gets along and how our nation gets along, how our state gets along, how our Greenville County gets along, 800 square miles of territory under the rule of our county council. Then our city, the city limits of the city of Greenville, underneath a mayor and a city council. And there's all these municipalities and organizations from the top down, the supreme rule, all the way down to local government. We submit ourselves to ordinances of man, and God tells us to do so. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Up goes the hand. Does every mean every? Of course it does. Well, are there exceptions? Of course there are. Why do you want to talk about them? Let's get excited about the ones we're supposed to keep since that's what the passage says. Right. See, there, there's only 25 verses in 1 Peter 2. There's not 30, with the last five being the exceptions to the things I've just said. I just get tired. Listen, you would not put up with it, and I've already given those examples. You would not put up with it yourselves, and God shouldn't have to put up with it coming out of our minds or out of our mouths. Right. God has ordained human society and gathering into kingdoms and nations. And like all other relationships, He has revealed His will as to how His children should cooperate and get along with them and make everything work well and shut the mouths of those enemies of His and adorn His gospel and obey Him and please Him as obedient children. Okay, thank you, Lord. What should a Christian do when the government legislates sin? This, 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 this amazes me. But what about our government? Preacher, what about our government? It's legislated abortion. So? It legislated the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And the Roman government, Peter and Paul said to submit. Right. 
Yes, it's a terrible atrocity killing the innocent and the, 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 the blood of those innocent around this nation. But it doesn't affect you. When I look around this children, this church and see all the children here, it's obvious you don't believe in abortion. So when they have a commandment like abortion that doesn't affect you, just keep on having your babies. When they legislate protection for same-sex marriages, just, we're just going to keep on marrying the opposite sex. Who cares what they do? They've always been doing wicked things. Every nation in the history of the world's always been doing wicked things. But the fact that they legislate some wickedness like that doesn't affect us directly. And until it affects us directly, 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 there is no exception for us to even worry about. We can still marry the opposite sex and still keep our babies. Let the pagans kill their babies. I'm going to tell you where abortion came from. Do you want to know where abortion came from? Do you really want to know where abortion came from? The God of heaven. I can see that I need to go there right now. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 20. Ezekiel chapter 20. You know, we have had some, we have heard some good things already this morning from the songs that we have sung and from Paul's explanation and application of Psalm 146. But brethren, you need to understand that what we sang and what we heard is what we should believe that God is in charge of all these things. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water he directeth it whithersoever he will. There is nothing that comes out of Washington that God hasn't determined beforehand. And you say, that's impossible because those are innocent little babies. Forget, they're not innocent little babies. They're not. You said you've already used the word innocent. I used it in the way that they have not committed a crime against the nation, but they're not innocent before God. And we've been through that before. Romans chapter 5 tells us otherwise. You want to talk about an innocent man being killed? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what the Bible says about where that came from? Where did such evil, how did it happen in a world that God's in control of? Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Jesus was delivered by the determinate counsel of God, according to Acts 2.23. According to Acts 4.28, the apostles said that the Jews and their leadership, along with Pontius Pilate, Herod, and the Gentiles, were doing whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. God had determined exactly what the Jews, Pilate, Herod, and the Gentiles would do toward the Lord Jesus Christ. God is judging this nation. If we would get all of our the authority lined up from God down to government, down to us, then we wouldn't get distorted thinking that it's our job to change government. It's God's job to change government. God changes governments, He raises up kings, He puts kings down. And He causes them to legislate various things at various times for the profit of His church or the pain of a nation. When He wants a Cyrus in office, He puts a Cyrus in office, overthrowing the impregnable city of Babylon in one night. And putting in that man's mind on the first day in office to issue a decree that all those that be so minded by their God to return to Jerusalem and build Him a house for His worship. He's able to do that. Then he's able to raise up a Herod and a Pontius Pilate and crucify his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ezekiel chapter 20, this is dealing with his church, which was a church state where the nation and the church were the same thing. Under the Old Testament, it was the nation of Israel. It was the church of Israel. Look at what it says, verse 25. Wherefore, because they were so wicked, wherefore I gave them also statutes that were not good. This is God, the ultimate legislator. I gave them statutes that were not good and judgments whereby they should not live. Well, how is he going to shrink the population of Israel? How is God going to shrink the population of Israel? And what bad judgments did he give them? And statutes that were bad. And I polluted them in their own gifts, in that they caused to pass through the fire all that openeth the womb that I might make them desolate to the end that they might know that I am the Lord. 
if they want to worship other gods, then I am going to so corrupt their minds that they are going to take their children and offer them as child sacrifice to these other gods, and I will desolate that nation, and I will reduce them, and I will kill them by their own statutes. But I sent them. This is the word of the Lord. If you don't like it, you don't like the God of the Bible. They deserve that. They want to worship other gods? Then God just helped them along by making them remember and consider the fact that real worship of Canaanite deities involved child sacrifice. Listen, brethren, we are are in a blessed nation. We come into this church that doesn't practice abortion, and the the Internal Revenue Code of this nation supports and subsidizes this church like it does every church who keep our children. And so we pay less taxes, person to person, family to family, compared to the pagans who abort their babies because they don't get a child deduction. I love our nation. I love the God who's controlling it all and still allowing us to live happily in this place. The death of every child out there, God's going to hold our government accountable for it. And we will trust that to Him, but it's not our place to do anything about it. Paul didn't do anything about it. The infanticide that took place in the Roman Empire and the other atrocities that took place in the high levels of government. Paul, Peter, they never said a thing about it. Jesus never said a thing about it because it doesn't affect us. You're not going to stop it. You're not even going to dent it. All you're going to do is show that you're rebelling against authority. That authority answers to God. They don't answer to you. The authority of government is not by the permission of the governed. It's by the governor of the universe. And that's Almighty God. To every ordinance of man. How many ordinances? All of them. That's what it says. We'll deal with the exceptions when we need to deal with exceptions in our nation. Right now we're such a pampered Christian people that it's causing more trouble than good. If we had a little bit of persecution going on, it would firm up the Christians that are alive and weed out those that have not really had a a regeneration by the grace of God in their lives. If government tries to force you to disobey God, we'll obey God rather than man. If government legislates wicked things for wicked persons, those laws don't affect you. Their use of your tax money is not your choice, it's their choice. Jesus said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and those tax dollars that came out of that meeting with the, Pharisee, with the Pharisees and the Herodians crucified him. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13 said, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, paid for his own beheading. What they do with the money doesn't have a thing to do with you. It's none of your business what they do with the money. Until they ask you, voter, what do you think we should do with the money? Then you can have a little bit of say. When they ask you, what do you think we should do with the money? It doesn't matter what government rulers do in their personal lives. Authority is not a function of integrity. Authority is not a function of integrity. Authority is a function of an office that God created and put a man in it. It doesn't matter what government legislates until their laws apply directly to you. Here's a few civil ordinances you might want to think about, brethren. Do seatbelts bother you? You know, you've heard that one from me before because... In my flesh, I don't like seatbelts. If I want to kiss my windshield in an accident, that should be my privilege and right. That's my old man talking. Do seatbelts bother you? You want to kiss your windshield so you think you have a right not to wear one? Well, let's just put it this way. By them forcing you to wear one, they're forcing your 16-year-old child when he pulls away from your house for the first time in a vehicle to wear one. Oh, I never thought about it that way. Think about it in any way that you can to rejoice in seatbelt laws. Embrace the seatbelt law. Every time you get in your vehicle, pull that thing down and snap it shut and say, Lord, that's a sacrifice to you. They just crawled into this vehicle with me and told me that I needed to wear my seatbelt. And I just snapped it because I want to submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. I just did it for your sake, Lord. I just did it for your sake. And you know, the more I think about it, Lord, it's a really good law. They're, they're looking out for me because I'm foolish and I have had an accident and if I wouldn't have had a seatbelt on, maybe I would have gone through the... And so we just... Thank you, Lord. Amen. He doesn't even care if you to go through all that thinking. He just says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Right. Do income taxes hurt you? You only pay a fraction of the benefits derived. When are you going to start working for free? 
since you want government to work for free, when are you going to start working for free? Well, they don't work as efficiently as I do. Well, we should audit you then, because we would like to see that. Our copy law right laws right. Copyright laws. Do you like to copy books, copy videos, copy DVDs, copy things that you don't have a right to copy? You say, what's the, what's the difference? What's the big problem? Well, the problem is you have never created anything. You have never invented anything. And so you don't understand the privileges and the rights and the profitability of people who do create and invent things. Right. And they should have their property, even if it's an idea, their property, even if it's a performance, protected. I'm not going to get into all the philosophical aspects of copyright laws and patent laws. They're part of the ordinances of man, and we should submit ourselves to them. It just takes a little tiny bit of thinking of a very small mind to realize that copyright laws and patent laws are very wise. And God's put them in this nation, and guess what? This nation has protected copyrights, protected patents, and we have exploded with witty inventions over the last couple hundred years. Exploded with witty inventions. Copyright laws. Don't you copy something that you don't have a right to copy. You say, well, I've never sold it. doesn't matter if you sell it. What if you, get your, what if you get your hands on a video and you copy it and you give it to your children, tell them to copy it, and they give it to their friends and tell them to copy it and no one has sold it yet. But 40 parties that might have bought that video no longer don't buy the video because they have a pirated copy. I love the videos that start out, as soon as they come on, thou shalt not steal. Instead of the copyright laws, the United States just, thou shalt not steal. Perfect. Ever done that one? How about disposing of batteries and oil? I think it'd be perfectly fine for me to change the oil in my car, walk down back and pour it in the creek that's running through there. Don't you? Pour it in my backyard? Dump my batteries out? Who's the government? Why do they think they can tell me how I have to dispose of my batteries? You mean i got to go down to this shop down here and pay them to dispose of my battery when I can just dump it out my window driving down a country road? Now they're, they're protecting you from the next home that you buy that you're not downstream from a person like you. Love their laws. Sales tax for online purchases. A few years ago, before online purchases became a big thing, did they let you have online purchases without paying sales tax? You say, well, they've changed. I'm just living by the old rules. We want you to go into business for yourself, and we will watch trends change in your business and see what you do. They are protecting lost revenue because we're all buying out of state now through Amazon.com or Tiger Direct. Oh, these are interesting ordinances, aren't they? They're making you think. I hope they're making you think just a little tiny bit. You like the way it once was? Well, trends change and trends happen and they cost the government revenue and so they're making up for it. They're not criminal. They're just going to where you're going. You've been trying to avoid them by buying online. Go ahead and just go ahead and admit it to me. It's okay. It's okay for you to admit it right now that one of the reasons you like to buy online in the past is because it avoided sales tax. Do you understand what you're saying? So they're just adjusting a little bit. Yep. Do they have a right to say who can and who cannot practice medicine? <laughs> I want to go to a qualified doctor, and I don't want snake oil salesmen out there selling me poison in the name of vitamins. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Right. You want the right to sell snake oil? You don't have it in this country. There's other countries that don't care. Do you want to check their health records? How about if I want to build something on my property in my house? Not unless there, if there's a permit required, you need to go get a building permit. You say, that's just not right. It's my house. It's only your house today. Right. You might sell it tomorrow and go buy another house, and they're trying to protect you from your next house purchase of buying a house where somebody like me made an addition to that house without a building permit. You don't want to have a house with an addition to it built by me without a permit. 
They're trying to protect you. Oh, Lord, thank you for making government. When you go to the gas station this afternoon and stick that hose in and you pull it and it says one gallon, how many ounces are in your gas tank? For one gallon. 128 fluid ounces for a gallon of gas. If you pull down the street to to something that doesn't look quite as fancy as a QT, will you still get 128? Isn't that... We've talked about it for years, haven't we? You go into a hardware store and you buy a 3 8 inch nut. Is it going to fit on a 3 8 inch bolt? What if there's some shyster that wants to sell you something that doesn't quite measure up and it won't really go on your bolt? They don't get to live in America. Thank you, Lord. Do you know how many times in this good book the Bible mentions weights and measurements? And we have a department of our government that is simply dedicated to weights and measurements. Do you know how exciting that job is to drive around all day, pull up to a station, put in one gallon, make sure it measures 128 ounces, pour it back in. I don't know how they do it. Do you know why they're doing it? They're doing it for you. Lord, help us to submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. You hate social security numbers? The average person that hates social security numbers never made it past sixth grade math. I've known a number of them in my lifetime. Now the reason that I say that is because I would like to give them a few blocks that are all uniform on a table. Some uniform blocks. And I want to, I want them to put them in order for me. Without numbers. The social security number is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful invention. That you have to have it to do important things so that the government at least has a little number on their blocks so that they can keep track of things. How do you keep track of people without a number? Right. Do you know how many Adam Greens are in, the, are in this country according to the Internet? No reflection on you, brother, but you have a unique Social Security number. None of them have your number, at least yet. I'm just picking on Adam Green for the moment. In my lifetime, and I'm 57 years old, I have had a lot of exposure to so-called patriots who want to fight our government, and they hate the Social Security number. They will think idiotic things like it might be the number of the beast. Are you kidding me? What about, the, what about my troop number when I was a Boy Scout? How do you know that wasn't the number of the beast? Are you kidding me? Grow up! Love that number. It's how they keep track of us. Do you know how many of us there are in this country? There's 330 million. Do you know how many blocks that looks like on a table? How do you keep track of them without a number? The next time you go to an airport and leave something in one of those lockers, I hope they give you a key that has no number on it. Come on, rejoice with me. That the way things work, they work well. For the Lord's sake. We get to do it for the Lord's sake. When I read a, when I read a little phrase like for the Lord's sake, that should, that excites me. And I hope it excites you because we get to do it for the Lord's sake. This is something that is pleasing to God. This is something He asks us to do. This is something He wants us to do as unto Him. When the Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for This is right. When the Bible adds on those little phrases, it should excite us. This is something we get to do for the Lord's sake. So when you change your oil and you're wondering where you're going to dispose it, think about it very carefully because you're doing it for the Lord's sake. When you've got that 12-volt battery and you do not want to haul it someplace and pay money to have them take it there anyway and cheerfully hand the money over as if you were buying 12 eggs for $2.50. They're going to take care of that thing. And trust me, the regulations they have to go through to be a disposal place for those batteries is serious business. Because the government is protecting us from something inside those batteries if you didn't know. There's some ugly stuff inside that you don't want in your drinking water. For the Lord's sake, God set up civil authority and when we resent or disobey it, we defy Him. When we embrace it and obey it, We embrace and obey Him. His enemies get to mock our religion when we disobey His rulers. He sent rulers to protect and bless you. 
So we should appreciate them. They are the ministers of God to us for good. Romans chapter 13, verses 3 and 4. We get to beautifully adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ by being model citizens. By looking ahead, here in this very context, we get to shut the mouths of our enemies. One of my favorite reasons and explanations for this little phrase, for the Lord's sake, is found down in verse 19, where it's dealing with servants obeying froward masters. Look what it says in 1 Peter 2.19. For this is thankworthy. Do you mean that we can do something that deserves thanks in the opinion of judgment of God? Yes. This is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Let's do it for the Lord's sake. But you know what? We don't really even suffer in this country wrongfully. Are you kidding? Having to take your battery someplace or disposing of your old motor oil someplace, that's suffering wrongfully? Suffering wrongfully? How is that suffering and how is it wrong? We are still so protected. Let's embrace every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. This is a beautiful concept. We do it for the Lord's sake. What's the number one reason why I preach reverence for our those in authority and obedience and paying and praying for them and never speaking evil against them? Why do I preach it? Because I'm told to preach the Word and it's for the glory of God. It's for the Lord's sake. It's not because I've changed politically. It's for the Lord's sake. Because the Lord taught us to do this. And He says so right here in this verse. When rulers start to comp, when rulers, when our government really starts to encroach on our lives, which they're not doing at this time, when they really start to encroach on our lives, then we'll get to even serve them in a, from a different angle, and that will receive an even bigger reward and blessing from God because we'll be doing it out of conscience suffering wrongfully. Right now we're not suffering and it's not wrong. There's nothing wrongful being done against us individually. Are there wrong laws coming out of Washington? Yes. Are there immoral laws coming out of Washington? Yes. Are there sinful laws coming out of Washington? Yes. But they're not affecting you. You haven't suffered wrongfully. This is still the greatest place in the world to ever live. The, the door of opportunity is bigger and wider and better greased than it's ever been in the history of the world. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme. There was the Roman government. They went through various stages and phases of who was more important. Could they be called a king? Should they be called Caesar? Were they an emperor? How much role did the Senate have? It didn't really matter. It, you know, if a Caesar wanted to take over and tell the Senate to take a vacation for a couple of years, he would. They would try to raise an army. He would try to raise an army. But it's referring to the highest authority that you can imagine in a realm. In a monarchy, the highest authority is the king. And then the next verse is going to refer to governors that are sent by him. The whole point being here, and I don't want to elaborate and get off track by looking at these words here, because this is not a lesson for how a nation should be governed. It's just saying whether the authority is coming from the highest office or the authority or the rules and regulations and ordinances are coming from a delegated office, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Or under governors. You know, ranchers living in Texas or Montana like to think and like to say, what do they know in D.C. about what goes on in our lives? Does that give them a right to rebel? No, because the king of supreme out of D.C. has said they are to pay income taxes on their income. If you have more respect for your county council because you attend meetings than for the Congress of the United States, grow up. You have a problem. So it says in verse 13 that we should submit ourselves. That means to yield and to surrender voluntarily to them, to every ordinance that they come up with, for the Lord's sake. We do it because we're the children of God and we want to please Him and He has appointed civil government. It doesn't matter whether, it doesn't matter whether it be to the King of Supreme or from the highest offices of the land, all the way from Washington DC, 1600 Pennsylvania Ave, the Congress of the United States, a ruling of the Supreme Court of the United States, all the way down to the municipality of Malden. 
doesn't matter. Or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. Very quickly, because I taught this so extensively in Romans chapter 13, let me remind you about these two clauses right here. This is not some judgment call that you're supposed to make. These two statements that are in here, that kings as supreme and governors as delegated authority are sent for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. That is not a qualifying conditional statement that you are to make a judgment about and decide whether you are going to submit to their ordinances or not. It's just stating an axiom of all civil government. I taught it very plainly, very thoroughly, very repeatedly in going through Romans 13, 1 through 7. This is not a judgment call here. This is a fact of all governments. Civil governments exist for the punishment of evildoers. There is not a government on earth that praises murderers. There is not a government on earth that praises thieves. Well, the IRS is a thief. You might as well go find something else to do this afternoon, like hitting the links for some golf. Because the Word of God is way beyond your ability to even come close to comprehending. You've never read the Bible about civil government. Civil government exists from a societal standpoint, from a nation standpoint of 330 million people. You are not going to go down the street and walk into somebody else's house and burn it down. What is that crime? It starts with an A. It's got arson. What happens to arsons? They get locked up. If you go down the street and kill your neighbor because his dog's barking all night long, and I have... No, I haven't. I've thought about killing the dog. That's just for a moment of lightness for us to realize that we're all dealing with the same flesh. There's a government in place that punishes evildoers. People are not going to steal your car. Once in a while when they do it, they're going to be punished. The car is going to be found. Did that happen in this church just a few? They found that car so quickly. Was that a Pipkin event? Yes. I remember that. They find the car. They publish. They, they punish the criminals that stole the car. The governments were set up for the punishment of evildoers. The only reason these two phrases, these clauses are here in this verse is not to give you a condition to decide, what if we all decided, I don't think our government punishes evildoers the way they should anymore, and I don't think they praise those that do well anymore, so I'm no longer going to submit. Now, what happens to the 330 million? What happens to children that sit down and, th- and say among themselves when they close the bedroom door, you know, Dad's really been in a bad mood the last couple of weeks, and I don't think he's being a very good father, so I don't think we should have to obey him anymore. There's a God of heaven. There's a God in heaven who controls all the eagles of the valley and the ravens that will send them to eat your eyeballs out and rip all the flesh off your bodies for even thinking that about your parents. And the Bible says that in the book of Proverbs. And the Bible says that if we want to resist the authority that God's given in civil government, we will bring upon ourselves damnation. That's the equivalent punishment for us. These two clauses are just making a statement as to why God has this fifth sphere of authority. The fifth sphere of authority, which is civil government, is to punish evildoers so that people can't run around committing murder and stealing, having false weights, false measurements, and so forth. It's just a description. There is just a description here. King is supreme. Governors are sent by him because they're delegated authority. Both of them have the same purpose, punishing evildoers. Were evildoers punished under the Roman Empire? Yes. Do you want to ask two witnesses? Let's call two witnesses. Two witnesses. Yes. We want to ask you a question. Did the Roman government seriously punish thieves and malefactors? Now you know where I'm going, don't you? What will the two witnesses say to us? Yes. We were crucified beside Jesus of Nazareth. And yes, we had a conversation while we were on the cross that we deserve to be hanging there. The punishment of evildoers, even Rome, even in a distance, even in an occupied nation, they still enforce justice and judgment. That is what it means, and that's what it means in Romans 13. I have heard other explanations and interpretations and applications of this text that makes me sick. And I thank God that He's shown us the truth about this. Because once you start down that other path, then it's every man does that which is right in his own eyes. 
There is a government in this country, and it is a good government. And it protects our liberties. It protects your home. It protects your car. It protects the gasoline you put in. Do you know that that gasoline is not only inspected for 128 fluid ounces in a gallon, but it is also inspected for the octane rating of that gasoline, and that there has not been other substances added to it that will eat your engine out? All governments do this. Adolf Hitler's Germany didn't let murderers walk up and down the street. They got their heads cut off. You say, well, they were doing enough murder themselves. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They were doing enough murder themselves. Uh-huh, I agree. They were, uh-huh, yes. Your point? Please help me. Your point? God had given that nation over to Adolf Hitler. God, Adolf Hitler was God's perfect hand-picked choice for Germany at that time. And if you were to go back and read what was taught in the schools of Germany in the 1800s and read the philosophers that came out of that nation, you would understand why and where it came from. Right. What is the problem with that? Were there, were there crimes committed in that nation from the top down? Yes. Who are they responsible to? The God of heaven. We have been over this before in lessons on Christian ethics in men's meetings as to what we would have done when we would have been put on the spot in a matter that we were wise enough to be able to determine that genocide was occurring in our nation. All nations. You know, are there some nations in the world that are, that are less Christian than America that punish crimes more than they do here? Are there some nations on earth that get in trouble with the world press because they stone adulterers in the year 2014? Do some chop off hands for theft? Do some kill homosexuals? Are those nations usually less or more Christian than us? Far less. Because all governments were set up and still practice the order, the, the orderliness of society. Otherwise, the citizens would emigrate to another nation. And so they have to protect their rights in order to keep a happy citizenry. And they do. And that's all those expressions mean. They're in Romans chapter 13 as well. That's why God gave us civil government for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. In every nation, there is imperfect application of justice, just like in every marriage there is no perfect husband, and in every family there is no perfect father, and in every business there is no perfect owner-manager, and in every church there is no perfect pastor. But what he does, pastor, father, husband, business owner, or president, what he does that does not directly affect us we go ahead and obey him. We go ahead and pray for him. We go ahead and pay him. And we trust God to take care of the matter between him and God. Because he's answerable to God and God will hold him accountable. Don't let those little clauses bother you. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. That's why government exists. That's why he would send governors. That's why there was Pilate in Israel. That's why there was Herod in Israel. They were appointees of the Roman government. And talking to a brother this morning, do you remember some of the good things? Did they ever praise those that do well? You know, when Paul was chained up and strapped after having been hauled in from the streets of Jerusalem, and the soldier there pulled out his cat of nine, British cat of nine, he didn't know, he didn't know Britain too well then, cat of nine tails and was going to scourge him, Paul said to him, is it lawful? Is it lawful to scourge a Roman citizen uncondemned? He dropped his scourge. He went into the office and got the centurion. The centurion came out and said, what are you talking about citizenship? I paid a great price to be a Roman citizen. Paul said, I was free born. On and on it went. When there were 40 men that were Jews that took an oath that they would not eat or drink until they had killed the Apostle Paul, Paul's little nephew came in to visit him in prison there in Jerusalem and told him about this oath. So Paul called the centurion over and said, Nephew, tell him. He told him, Have you ever read about the size of the escort that Paul had to Caesarea? Is it, it is the display of government in the praise of them that do well. Right. It's throughout the pages of Scripture. 
How did Paul get to Rome? Did he have to pay his own way? Nope. Or was he taken there with 276 soldiers on board to protect him? And when he got to Rome, he was given a rental house that he could have any that wanted to come and hear him preach the gospel in Rome while a prisoner of the Roman government. When the Jews went up to Caesarea and brought with them a gifted orator who before King Agrippa gave one fabulous speech in order to get the Apostle Paul back down to Jerusalem so that they could kill him, the Apostle Paul, on trial for his life, realized that the court that he was standing before was shifting toward that great speech. And he wasn't sure if he could win by his speech. He said, I appeal to Caesar. And Agrippa and Festus went aside among themselves and said, you know, he should have been set free. He hasn't done anything worthy. This is the most pagan government Paul hadn't done anything worthy of imprisonment. He should have been set free. But he's appealed to Caesar. To Caesar, thou shalt go. And they sent him with an armed guard and at their expense to get him to Caesar so that he could be protected from the Jews because he knew that his trial in Jerusalem by God's people in God's city with God's priests would not be nearly as fair as under the Roman government and Caesar. Governments are sent to do this. Our government still protects you. When you go buy a quarter pounder, is it a three ounce burger? It is a four ounce burger. And on the side of the box, it will tell you that is its weight before cooking because the government forces them to tell you exactly when they weighed it and what they're calling a quarter pounder. And it goes on and on and on. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, brethren. Let's get excited about the wonder, the beauty of civil government, just like the beauty of marriage that we still believe in here, just like the beauty of family with parents over children like we still believe in here, like masters, employers over employees and against unions like we still believe here. And may the Lord bless us to embrace these authority spheres and to do it as unto the Lord in every case. And may the Lord protect us when we ever get to the place where we'll need His protection. He will protect us, especially if we have honored His ordinances, His ordinances of authority and power up to that time. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.